Good evening. Our top story. British Prime Minister David Cameron said today the UK will never give in to terror or terrorism. This is as it was confirmed today that the two men who beheaded a soldier last night in a busy district of London are British citizens of Nigerian descent. Media reports also said today that both the men had featured in several investigations by security forces in recent years. One even intercepted last year while leaving the country. But there had been no suspicion that they were planning this attack. There are still no details whether the men were part of a larger terrorist organization or conspiracy, though the UK has now asked for British soldiers not to wear the uniforms in public. Both the Prime Minister and the London Mayor, however, have stressed that this attack had nothing to do with Islam, even as reports came in of two mosques being attacked. However, the big question, what is the thin line between a barbaric killing by individual murderers and a terrorist attack? Does what happened in Boston with two brothers and now this in London qualify as a terror attack? Let's just look first as we look at redefining that question or the definition of terror. Let's just look at what actually happened aftermath of that attack. Caught on camera by eyewitnesses and the bravery of a Cub Scout teacher, a leader, a mother who talked to the two men as she calmed them down and waited for police to arrive. But in our land, our women have to see the same. We people will never be safe. Remove your government. They don't care about you. You think David Cameron is going to get caught in the street? When we start busting our guns, you think your politicians are going to die? No, it's going to be the average guy like you and your children. So get rid of them. Tell them to bring our troops back so, we can, so you can all live in peace. Two men, both British citizens, under arrest for a barbaric attack on a busy suburban London street. A serving soldier beheaded, then brutally hacked to death near the military barracks in Woolwich. His attackers, these two men of Nigerian descent, armed with butcher knives. Their terrifying political message, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I apologize that women had to witness this today, but in our land, our women have to see the same. You people will never be safe. Remove your government. They don't care about you. Do you think David Cameron is going to get caught in the street? When we start busting our guns, do you think your politicians are going to die? No, it's going to be the average guy like you and your children. So get rid of them. Tell them to bring our troops back so, we can, so you can all live in peace. 20 minutes of horror caught on camera as the two men with bloodied hands and mashed held court, urging passerbyers to film them, take pictures. Watching this guy roam around the body with his other friend doing the other side and... As the police car pulled up, they both looked at the police car and then the one with the gun walked towards the police car. But this mother of two remained unshaken. She jumped out of a moving bus after jumped in the middle of the road. 48-year-old Cub Scout leader Ingrid Law, you can it, confronted the two men. You're going to lose. It's only you versus many. He was not on drag. He was not drunk. Were you not scared for yourself in that situation? No. Why not? Better me than a child. Because... Unfortunately, there were more and more mothers with children stopping around by, so it was even more and more important that I talked to him and, and then I asked him what he wanted. As the British police rushed to the spot, the two men, outnumbered but remained aggressive. A dramatic operation unfolded with the cops shooting at them. The attackers now under arrest in separate hospitals, while the anti-terror police raid their homes and question family members. So is this the new face of terror or just an individual attack? The British media quickly banned a terror attack. The government agreed. This country will be absolutely resolute in its stand against violent extremism and terror. But one of the best ways of defeating terrorism 
is to go about our normal lives. And that is what we shall all do. Prime Minister David Cameron had to cut short his trip to Paris for an emergency security meeting. But within hours, online and on television, the Woolwich attack became an attack made in the name of Islam, triggering revenge attacks on two mosques and a riot with right-wing protesters taking on cops. The overnight backlash on the Muslim community reflecting the fragile inter-community relations. And that is that it is completely wrong to blame this killing on the religion of Islam. While the investigation continues, British soldiers have been warned not to wear their uniforms outside. But 24 hours after the beheading of a soldier, many question the motivation of this so-called terror attack. Did the government, police and media jump the gun? And has terror now become a loosely used word? Rahul Joglaker of NTTV joins us from Woolwich. This is his special report. Here we are in the streets of Woolwich in southeast London. With me are two local residents, Monica and Elizabeth. Uh, to you first, uh, Monica, what went through your mind when you heard about this incident uh, for the first time? I, I couldn't believe it because I, did, I, I, don't, I didn't believe that it's really that this thing is happening right at my doorstep. Well, we thought like maybe, probably, it will be car accident, but later on I heard it was something serious. The helicopters was on, definitely I heard something terrorist, something serious happened. So the first first time it's crossed my mind crossed my child, you know, it was because it's terrible. I had the primary school which is just near. The children could see police officers and people walking with a gun here. So it was shocked even for the children. And uh, you know, these were two uh, black men who got out of their car uh, and you know attacked this uh, soldier. A lot of people are asking that uh, you know, is this how is the community going to react to this uh, to this incident? Yeah, the community. We just pray that everybody will be calm because we need calmness to solve this problem. Because to be a violence is not going to solve this problem. It's going to create more because everybody has his religion that they believe in anyway. So we just have to be calm. Then let the government sort it quietly and the police. That's all we need now. I just hope it will be better and calm and anyway the village is calm and nothing like this happened before so everybody was fine but even like today when we are passing city there is not many people in the city like before so they are scared to come out especially who have children definitely so there you have it voices from the streets in village this is a community that's been uh, that's been shattered really by the incident that took place right here on the streets in southeast london and now they're asking for calm and praying that things get back to normal as soon as possible rahul joglekar in london for ndtv Thanks, Rahul, for that. And really, so many questions coming up. What defines terror today? Do we look at this as an individual attack, or is this actually the new face of terror? Also, what were the initial statements that came out? Much controversy or some media reports saying that the men were of Muslim appearance. We know they're Nigerian descent, they're, uh, they're of Nigerian descent, they're British citizens, they're also Muslim. What do we define them as? For that and other questions, I'm joined first by Javed Akhtar tonight. Javed Saab, Questions with no easy answers and really making everyone more sensitive to the need for caution when we use words like terror, Islamic terror, terrorism, uh, how do we define a person? What would you say or what are your first thoughts when you look at this incident and the aftermath? We know there were two attacks against mosques also in Great Britain yesterday, but so far no fresh reports. You see, I think there is one uh, 
mistake that the world is committing by believing that if we tolerate uh, uh, the fundamentalist ideology, if we show some kind of patience towards the reactionaries and bigots, uh, we'll be able to solve the problem. Uh, it's not true. It's not right. They are bullies. The more you will give them, the more they'll ask for. Mm -hmm. Point one. The other mistake that we make, that uh, uh, the bigot, the communalist, the fundamentalist claims to be the representative of a very large segment of uh, society and we tend to believe them. Uh, that is another mistake we make. I think uh, in Western countries, Muslim fundamentalists are asking for trouble. They have been shown tremendous patience and tolerance and they are pushing things a bit too far and one day not only them it's so sad but true that ultimately lot of innocent decent muslims will also pay very heavily for what these people are doing a question many have asked these are two men obviously unhinged uh, act of complete act of brutality and barbarism but just because they are ch uh, chanted the words allahu akbar is it fair to categorize this as an attack, uh, you know, a Muslim attack, even though David Cameron may be very careful today, but is it fair to, we've seen the media reports and we've seen the online narrative which categorizes this as Islamic terror. Do you think any lunatic can go out tomorrow and no, no, use no. a religious slogan uh, and, that, and that defines it? You, 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 you may not call it Islamic terror, but what is that? You tell me if it is not that. You know, we tend to be very sensitive about something. There are people who are committing terrorist acts on the name of a religion. Mm -hmm. Now, how long we are going to deny that? Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, terrorist act is the ultimate happening, but there is a mindset. There is a, you know, what is communism? Communism is the violence of thought. And uh, what is terrorism? Is the act of communalism. That's about all. I mean, in England, some people have made Muslim parliament, some people want sh Sharia uh, in uh, uh, UK. What kind of people they are? What kind of idea of fairness they have? You know, when you go to these typical Muslim countries in Middle East or Gulf or anywhere, want everybody to follow their rules. They want to adhere to their concept of morality. And when they come to the West or to any other society, they want the society to adjust with them and uh, accept their regressive ideas. Yes. In fact, they should go to a country on the country's terms and conditions. Sorry, if you think that this, this is not good enough, go back. Uh, That's about all. I think they are asking for trouble. Europe West is tolerating them and one day they will react. And we are already seeing reactions. I mean, and often the reactions are against immigrant communities. We are seeing it is happening currently in Sweden as well. Uh, riots on currently in suburbs between immigrants and uh, pol uh, police forces. But just to ask, uh, sir, as a master of language, what do we define as a, ter as a terror attack? Because in a sense, what we saw in Boston when two brothers uh, claiming to represent uh, the voice of uh, Chechen uh, Chechens uh, did the attack at the Boston Marathon. Again, here we see two men. We don't know yet any evidence of what their larger links are. That's presumably under investigation. But how do we define terror? Is it attack? Is it uh, attacks by individuals like this? So far in the Boston bombings, there have been no larger conspiracy unearthed. Now, as a matter of fact, 
they may be Chechen, they may be anybody. But ultimately there is a certain dose, certain level of intoxication of religion in all of them. That is a fact. Mm -hmm. You know the white supremacist, the white supremacist, Ku Klux Klan and so on, these people, they also have certain element, uh, certain, they imagine, they fancy that they have uh, the permission, they have the uh, 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 Justification mm -hmm. within religion, they need that. Anywhere, we say, don't say Muslim fundamental, Islamic fundamentalists, don't say Hindu terrorists, don't say Muslim terrorists, don't say Christian terrorists, religions are good, but you know these people are bad. The fact remains that they are terrorists because they are upset by some religion. Why can't we accept this fact? It's staring us in the face, your point of view, but a very, very controversial point of view with many also, because as you make the point of political correctness, being very careful on larger sentiments being offended. Joining me tonight, well, are your two political lords. political correctness is not speaking the whole truth. To, uh, joining me tonight... That is called political correctness. Is it political short-sightedness? Joining me tonight are two lords. I'm joined by Lord Gulam Noon uh, and Lord Meghna Desai, both joining me from London. As you said, this happened in Woolwich, a uh, busy district of London. Lord Noon, your thoughts today on this brutal attack and what Javed Saab and I were discussing really and how are we looking at redefining terror when its acts no longer seems to be part of a large conspiracy, uh, not like what we saw in 9-11 or even in a smaller scale in what we saw in the subway bombings in uh, London. But these really are just two men on a street armed with uh, uh, cleavers which anybody could possess. It's not about bombs, explosives, it's just a normal, uh, easily available weapon to kill. I had, I had a chance to look at the video mm -hmm. which was shot at that moment of time and I'm quite puzzled to learn that they, they killed the soldier and they are waiting for the, the police to come and catch them. I'm surprised. That, I mean, there is all the opportunity to run away. It was appalling. It was deadly and I think is uncalled for. In a country like England where, where the tolerance is up to the fault almost and still they have to uh, I mean, create this mischief. As uh, I personally feel this, whether they were Muslims or not, but they, were, uh, they admit that they were uh, enjoying the Islam, Islam religion, Islam doesn't say all these things to kill, kill people. They, these terrorists, they have no religion. I would, I would refuse to call him Muslim. They have no religion. They are, their simple religion is to terrorize people. They are terrorists. What is what is interesting, in fact, uh, Lord Desai, if you can come in on this point, is the point Lord Noon made. It's almost this new language of terror. It's very easy. So now about going online, they knew they actually asked passerbys to take their videos in the cell phones. They wanted to publicize. They were just two people, but they wanted to publicize it. So there's a, almost an impact of terror, a terrifying impact in a sense. And that's what this was really about. So in a sense, are we seeing a new kind of terror which is much easier with all the security measures in place in London and uh, the US this is a much easier way to terrorize people now I think there are two things first of all mm -hmm. <coughs> we have to distinguish between Islam which is religion and Islamism which is political ideology these people profess Islam but they have a political ideology and Islamism is as much at war with other Islamic Muslim nations which don't adopt Sharia law as they are with the West now these two people obviously is a new form only in the sense that they are not part of an organized franchise network they have been uh, radicalized and they have taken it upon themselves to do this they basically waited because they wanted to be shot they wanted to be shot by the police and become real martyrs which is why they were hanging around otherwise they would have gone away had they so i think these are sort of one-off 
uh, unfranchised sort of individual thing, but they have been radicalized. They've been radicalized by the videos, by the emails, by the by whichever mosque they go to, or whichever uh, imam they go to. But they have been radicalized. But that is not true of the majority of the Muslim population. And there are lots and lots of Muslims, perfectly peaceful in the UK, and there's, there's no problem there. So we must not blame Islam or Muslims. We must narrow it down to a political ideology and there are fanatics everywhere oh, and that's what this is don't blame it to Islam but are we being blind in the link of uh, religion and terror in the sense that uh, the certain the radicalization is being done by certain ideology but first let me go across now live uh, joining me now is a Sky News senior correspondent Mr. Martin Brunt he's joining me from outside the Woolwich barracks uh, where uh, this soldier who was killed was actually uh, part of uh, Martin Brunt. Tell us what the latest is on the investigation and uh, any more news on the man who died. We're waiting to have confirmation of the name of the man who died, but it's been confirmed he was uh, a British soldier who was based at the barracks here and we think he was walking in a nearby street on his way back to the barracks. Not sure what he'd been doing when he was attacked by two men. Now, those two men were later shot by the police. They are both still alive. Mm -hmm. One has serious injuries, one has less serious injuries, and they are both in hospital today, under armed guard, and detectives are waiting to hear from doctors whether they will be well enough to be interviewed. But a clear picture has emerged of what happened and what lay behind it um, and we do know that one of the suspects is a British man of Nigerian background a man who grew up uh, lived and grew up was born in London uh -huh. was a university student nearby here and was known in the local town as a radical ex Islamic extremist who used to preach on an ad hoc basis and uh -huh. used to hand out leaflets uh, condemning the British government and condemning British troops for their roles in, firstly in Iraq and then in Afghanistan. Right. Martin, some controversy over a directive that British soldiers shouldn't wear uh, their uniform in public uh, as investigations continue. What has the reaction been to that? And also, any, any links pointing yet to any involvement of these two men with any larger group beyond the fact of what uh, they said about, you know, this is uh, to revenge troops in Afghanistan? <coughs> We do know that both these suspects uh, were on the radar of the security service here, MI5. Um, they were deemed to be low priority. There doesn't appear, according to our Whitehall sources, there doesn't appear to have been any concern that they were about to launch uh, a murder plot. Mm -hmm. uh, they have been on the radar of MI5 in a peripheral uh, sense. Um, in terms of soldiers moving in and out of the barracks today, uh, they have been given advice that they should not wear their uniforms outside the barracks so they don't draw attention to themselves. Uh -huh. But we have, in the past few hours, seen a dozen or so soldiers going in and out of the barracks wearing their uniforms, uh, perhaps ignoring the advice that they've been given uh -huh. and perhaps because they want to show defiance and show how proud they are to wear those uniforms.
Martin Brad, thanks very much uh, for joining me live uh, from outside uh, those barracks. Thanks so much, Lord Noona. Just to come back to you on that point, in a sense, what these, what two men have done has created an impact much larger than perhaps what it deserves. Some would say that by calling it a terror attack, by the Prime Minister cutting short his trip and coming home. For example, men, oh, the, there are brutal murders on the streets of, say, London, uh, New Delhi, any other city every day. Any lunatic can go around with a meat cleaver and claim to be representing a larger cause. Why give this, make this about, you know, me, uh, British soldiers not wearing the uniform? Do we, are we sometimes blowing this? Is, isn't this what the terrorists wanted? I think it is an exaggerated uh, sort of a reaction that not to wear their uniform. Why shouldn't they wear their uniform? The... Uh, the, the soldiers, they proudly wear their uniform, they should continue to wear the uniform, that's my view, and defy it. If you do that, if you don't wear your uh, uniform as advised by whoever, then you are, they are winning. Why should, they, why should they not wear their uniform? That's one thing. Second thing is, I think I want to make a bigger point here. Mm -hmm. The radicalization is taking place in all universities. I have worked in the universities and I know it. And, and uh, the, the preacher, I mean, I'm, I'm referring to whether Muslim or any preacher, mm -hmm. the pe preacher who are preaching hate, they should be taken care of. They, and those who are asking for, as a Muslim I can say, that the, those who are asking for Sharia law, and I have written it uh, about five, ten years back, that those who are asking for Sharia law, they should go back to where the Sharia law exists and they should leave this country alone. Because mm -hmm. we, England is a tolerant country, the best country in my opinion. And I have lived here for 42 years. I am also immigrant when I came here. But if you come here and create, you don't like the, our way of life, then leave it. Leave us alone. Go where you are happy. Jabba, uh, Jabba, if you would come in, because uh, in some senses, this attacks, of course, completely uh, UK-based, London-based, uh, local conditions. But just looking at some of the similarities which come up when we talk about attacks which happened recently, the Indian Mujahideen and the profile of the men involved, they often young men without jobs, frustrated, not often, some of them also who have actually gone to universities, who may have decent jobs that have still turned to this path. Is there a larger kind of indoctrination, you talked about uh, ideology and religion, which when we talk about this, also the political correctness, you've seen that there are, uh, in, in Uttar Pradesh, for instance, there's this whole controversy about uh, false terror cases being taken back or involved, it, it happens uh, in the center as well. Do we need to be now realistic about what we face and not your point is that we shouldn't I, I, be shy I, I of linking terror and religion, whichever I, religion I couldn't is. get you, uh, what you were saying about Uttar Pradesh? I said in Uttar Pradesh, for instance, the recent controversy about the government taking back cases, uh, they wanted to take back all terror cases against Muslims saying they were false. Ne the Uttar Pradesh uh, High Court that, stopped That's it. another situation, that's another case, that's another case. The government should uh, have take, uh, taken back uh, their uh, accusation in Hyderabad, in uh, Makkah Masjid. Mm -hmm in uh, Malegaon and so on. You know, what is happening in this country, this is also very dangerous, the way they put, catch any Muslim young man and put him in the jail. Mm -hmm. In all these states this is happening, that is counterproductive. They should stop doing that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, if they are leaving innocent people, it's uh, appreciable. But at the same time, we cannot uh, give any margin to people who are really involved in such kind of acts. But unfortunately in India, it is done indiscriminately. They just catch people and put mm -hmm. them behind the bars just to show how efficient they are and ultimately they are proved wrong. Look at uh, 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 what happened in Malegaon. Yes, sir. I mean, eight, eight people who are yes. innocent young men were in the jail for five years. That is equally, that is state terror. Mm -hmm. And that too should be condemned. 
But at the moment we are, this is not the topic. The topic is what is to be noted, that these people after committing this heinous murder uh -huh. did not run away. Why? It because they are not criminals. They are mujahids. They believe that they have done a great act. And now, mm -hmm. of course, the doors of paradise are open to them. So they were not ashamed of it. They were not even scared. Because ultimately this is this world is for a few days. Ultimately they are going to have eternal bliss in the heavens. Huris are waiting for them. So of course it is religious obsession, it is religious fanatism that is making people do such things. Lord Meghnath Desai, on that, uh, that point really no. of this uh, broadcasting of terror as it were, those men waiting around... Uh, as as it actually happened, that that to you a new no. dangerous trend. No, yeah, you know what is, I still think I and still it is think happening because they, they believe that they are they doing it. it to they are shot. doing a holy act for a great cause. And also the impact, the impact, as I said, of just they, two they, men creating a terror much no, beyond what they did. Go ahead. No, no, I think they were waiting. They were expecting to be shot by the police, and mm -hmm. then they would have had the martyrdom right. immediately. See, that, that, is, that is the motivation behind this. You know, any political ideology can drive people uh, to violence. The Naxalites are the same. They also have political ideology. It, religion is not part of their ideology. These people who killed a soldier, obviously were tracking a soldier. They wanted to kill some soldier uh -huh. coming out of the barracks. They had been uh, they had been trailing this person. And as soon as they came out, they, they, they rammed him against a wall with a car. And then they brutally decapitated him. Now, this is what the most shocking part about it. We're used to bombing, we're used to suicide bombing, we're not used to physical decapitation, and that's where the most shocking part is. That is why Cameron is coming back. It's not just any ordinary murder. Mm -hmm. This is not only a murder of a soldier, but one of the most brutal way of murdering people. And, and so this is what we have to take seriously. Yes, and it, it's true because the state can police airports, they can police bombs, they can have X-ray scanners, but how do you stop exactly. a man exactly. walking on a street with a car, armed with a car and a knife? Thank you all very much for joining you me. You can't stop. No, yes. no, no, you can't stop. Exactly. You can't stop. But you must take every such crime very seriously and mm -hmm. try and prevent the next one. Right. Thanks very much, uh, Javed Saab, Lord Meghnath Desai and Lord G.K. Noon for joining me for what's uh, tragic. But uh, debate, but very, very important questions being raised on this new face of terror. Boston bombings also, just two men who carried out that uh, attack, which was broadcast then live across the world and the aftermath. Thanks so much for joining me. Let's just move to the other big story in India breaking, and that's, of course, uh, sadly on cricket now every day. Now the trail is to the head of the Board of Cricket Control of India, N. Srinivasan, with the Mumbai police arriving in Chennai to question his son-in-law and the CEO of his team, Gurunath Mayappan. The Mumbai police arrived there and, well, they found Mayapan not there, not at home. They I waited, they tried to get in, they had to wait a while for that and then flew back to Mumbai after issuing a summons. Now Mr. Mayapan has asked that he appear at 11 a.m. on Monday morning. He says he needs more time. Meanwhile, Mr. Srinivasan has been completely incommunicado since the latest scandal broke. Today, meanwhile, another head rolled as controversial Pakistani empire Rauf was dropped from the Champions Trophy after his name came up in investigations by the Mumbai police. Nikhil Nas joins me now for more on that. Nikhil, what's the latest on this? Because really, every day, another name coming up. And the interesting fact, of course, of uh, Mr. Rauf, who's been controversial, is that he's part of the ICC's elite panel of empires. So that's clearly, I mean, he's uh, amongst the best and he's been pulled out. 
Well, that's right, Sonia. Uh, you know, Asad Raf and controversy actually go hand in hand. And at the moment, the interesting thing is that the release that came from the ICC it went on to say that after media reports, uh -huh. they've taken a precautionary measure and removed him. Interestingly, there were no media reports. What I have been made to understand is that there was the anti-corruption unit of the ICC working very closely with the Mumbai police, and that's when they eventually found out that he had links uh, in the spot-fixing um, scandal. But like you mentioned, he's part of the elite pan panel, and there are very few umpires who reach there. They are the best in the world. In fact, Asad Rav has been on the elite panel for a few years now. So if you can enter that bit and, and influence the best umpires in the world. It just goes on to affect the faith of many cricket followers who've been following not just the IPL because we're raising questions on the IPL, but on international cricket. Many of those matches were officiated by Asadraf. So the cancer is really running deep. The rot really runs deep, Sonia. But uh, really, Nikhil, what's more worrying in a sense, and that's for Indian cricket, is this link as a, to the BCCI chief. Again, as I said, there's no evidence against his son-in-law yet, but the fact that the Mumbai police uh, take this seriously enough to fly in a team to question him, he doesn't appear. What's the larger message that goes out? And why is Mr. Srinivasan, who was so voluble last week, completely incommunicado now? A very valid point you make, Sonia. I mean, uh, imagine if there was a train mishap. What do we expect as public? We expect the railway minister to resign, to own up responsibility. I understand that the BCCI is a public body, but even then, what happened when the names of those three cricketers came about for match fixing? What did the BCCI do? It suspended them pending an inquiry. That's the first thing you would expect even the head to do. In case there's an inquiry, we're not saying at the moment that anyone is guilty with regards to the Chennai Super Kings, but if the name has come out, if there is an inquiry, the first thing that the BCCI president needs to do, and because there's a conflict of interest there, not just uh, Gurunath is not just his son-in-law, but he also is the co-owner of Chennai Super King, which is partly owned by Enshrinavasan. First thing anyone would expect, any cricket-loving uh, public or a member of, uh, you know, the big uh, fraternity that we call the cricket lover would expect the president of the BCCI to at least step down for the time being till the inquiry is complete. Right, Nikhil, thanks so much for that. So the IPL fixing plot thickens or should I say sickens. That's really what it's all about today on a day when we saw the Mumbai police fly into Chennai to question the son-in-law of the BCCI chief. Yet, that man went missing. He's gone missing, so now the Mumbai police have had to issue a summons. Meanwhile, the ICC has withdrawn key Pakistani umpire Asad Rao from the Champions Trophy. For more on the current mess in the cricket setup, which seems to be just growing every day, with me tonight, I have Dr. Madan Obroy. Now, he's joined CP of the special cell of Delhi Police. Of course, the whole Shisant case is being handled by that special cell. I'm also joined by Kirti Azad, Lok Sabha MP of the BGP, but who's been fighting a battle against another senior BGP member, Arun Jaitley, Regarding what's happening in Indian cricket, I'm also joined by Shailendra Singh, MD of Percept India, one of the firms which first started the word sports management here. And of course, management is being used very different ways now, but that's a completely legit firm. But Dr. Obra, thanks so much for coming in. So many leaks have been coming from the police off the record. What is the actual evidence you have against Shisan, the other two cricketers with you? Are you confident your case would stand up in court? Because many people are now saying this is just being made into a big fast to divert attention from other scams. Ma'am, first of all, I like to say that we have a foolproof case. The investigation is going on. I, I, I hope you'll understand that I can't discuss the st uh, evidence we have mm -hmm. at this stage in our studio. We'll be presenting sufficient evidence in the court and we are very confident that we have a very strong case. This despite what's being called the turf war with the Mumbai police, the fact that the CCTV footage of Shisan's uh, room has not been given to you, the fact 
that the Delhi police actually left behind the laptop and iPad in his room? No, you have to understand it from the, you have to look at it from, a, from the correct perspective. And the fact is that Sri Sant was not playing Mumbai match. Sri Sant had played in Mohali, mm -hmm. where there is an allegation of, which we are investigating, that the sum over was fixed. In Mumbai, he was not playing. And besides uh, the hotel where the team was staying, he was staying in some other hotel. What I can say and I can assure that we have sufficient material irrespective of uh, laptop and uh, <laughs> the iPad. We, uh, we, we are very confident of our case. So why did you leave that behind? Because at that point of time, we were not aware that he has taken a room outside the team hotel and the first uh, duty was to produce him in the court in Delhi within 24 hours. Some of the theories that have been coming out seem unbelievable. Why would a cricketer need money to buy a Blackberry phone? Why would a cricketer need money to buy jeans? It seems sometimes the Delhi police are trying to fix Sri Sant. <laughs> and why would we do that? I don't <laughs> know, but why would a cricketer need money to buy a Blackberry phone? No, it's not like that. You see, 10 lakh was paid as advance and 10 lakh has been spent by Sri Sant. And it is not only the money spent on Blackberry or on clothes, it's a uh, it, uh, we are going into each and every details, even minutest detail, what has been done, and we are collecting evidence for that. Mm -hmm. So if BlackBerry happens to be one of that pieces, just because uh, he may not need uh, money for BlackBerry, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that we should not get collect evidence for that also. After all, what we are saying is that it is proceed of a crime, and it has to be accounted for. Right. And of course, this has to be proved in court also. But just to ask, we now hear that the Delhi police is widening its investigation into all matches played by Rajasthan Royals. We know that one of the empires who actually empired that controversial match has been dropped by the ICC on the Champions Trophy. Is this, are there more players involved? Are there more empires involved? Is this about more than three cricketers and three matches? Um, we have been saying from day one that as a responsible police force, we are very careful about the reputations which would be at stake. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have information about other players, we have information about other matches. We are developing those information. Once we have something very credible only, then it would be right on our part to name anybody. Mm -hmm. Keithi Azad, if you can come in here, you've heard uh, the Delhi police, they're being very cautious uh, about what he's saying, saying they need evidence, but indicating some concerns about other players and the larger aspect as well. You've been banging on about this for a while and in fact many have said that this is part of your own personal agenda. Do you think it's a larger problem with cricket or is this isolated and we need to work together to fix the problem? Or is it as many are saying there are just too many politicians involved in IPL now? Well, it's never been a personal problem. If it was, I'm sure you all uh, channels wouldn't have been covering this case for the last seven or eight days since uh, the expose has come out. Mm -hmm. I have been talking about it for a very long time. I had been raising this issue in my own association. And uh, then obviously you know what happened. Last year I sat on a dharna outside DDC asking for transparency, accountability and responsibility being fixed. You know there is this uh, committee sitting on uh, investigating within the BCCI regarding the fiasco uh, of the uh, South Africa uh, uh, IPL that we had. 
the Standing Committee of Parliament of FANAS headed by Shri Yashwan Sinha said that uh, the FEMA regulation, the RBI regulation uh, were all violated, foreign exchange uh, regulations were violated. Then you also had money laundering, we didn't know where the money came in for the franchises and now you find the spot fixing and other things and gambling that is going on. So we are talking about blackberries, I think that is basically being penny wise and pound foolish. It can't be just three cricketers who would be involved in a 40,000, so it is alleged that 40,000 crore um, betting uh, going on in, uh, in, the, uh, in this IPL. I'm 100% sure that it is either the underworld money, which obviously you found links, it could be the mafia money, it could be the arms money, it could be the drugs money. All this money cannot be just produced. A, a, a local man uh, wouldn't give this kind of money, this kind of liquidity with his black money. So it has to be from somewhere abroad. I have asked, I have said that NIA should come in along with Interpol should investigate. Now with Mumbai police and Delhi police, as it seems at loggerheads, the best would be to form an SIT under the NIA who coordinates amongst all the various police uh, commissioners yes. and other police officers so who or states who have been involved in it, get into the bottom of it which is most necessary. That's interesting because you're making the point in underworlding so actually NIA and anti-terror body you're saying should come in here because where does this money come, in, come from? Shalendra Singh, if you could come in at this point, you started uh, sports management, you've uh, known many cricketers personally and of course you've seen controversy up close and how celebrities are often targeted. One point being made by many, Kirti Azad as well, this is not about Shri Sant or Vindu, that they are the small fish. Are we ignoring the larger aspect of the amount of money that is actually involved here? Are the celebrities the easy target or uh, Vindu who is betting, he's been made to, out to be the complete kingpin or the mastermind. Do you think we are getting diverted from the real issue? I think, yeah, you, you, you hit the nail on the head, Sonia, because I think too much control or too much fr uh, freedom, I think both these issues can, can, can actually, uh, you know, allow the, a person who's sitting in a position of authority to sort of make the wrong decisions. So uh, I think if you've seen this for a long time, like, like Mr. Kirti Azad said, that we've been screaming out loud that there are serious issues of governance and transparency. And look, I have nothing personal against uh, Mr. Srinivasan, but mm -hmm. if you look at the, if he needs to look at the mirror. He's the president of the board. He owns Chennai Super Kings. And coincidentally, Dhoni works for his company. I mean, this is way too much conflict of interest. This is a non-profit organization. If these kind of messaging is given from top down, what are the athletes supposed to think? They think this is a mom-pop shop and it's, it's a free-for-all. In my honest opinion, I mean, this agent reg regulation, cricket regulation, I mean, this is supposed to be a sport for God's sake. This is supposed to build national pride. The issue is top-down governance, accountability and transparency. And so Zibram, all about governance and transparency, what's happened to the sport, what's happened to the fun of it. Let's bring, joining me is Dilip Prem Chandran, he's the editor-in-chief of uh, Wisden India. Mr. Prem Chandran, uh, the point raised by Mr. Srinivasan, the issue of conflict of interest. You now have his son-in-law, who is like, who is uh, now mi apparently missing or hasn't appeared for questioning today. Summons have been issued against him. Where can we go from here? Can this Mr. Srinivasan maintain that this is just about three people or three cricketers and there's no larger problem? The IPL is clean, the BCI is clean. Is it time for serious questions and perhaps for actually uh, bodies like the NIA or a SIT to be set up into this? Uh, as far as answers are concerned, I don't think anyone's obliged to give answers. I'm not saying that's right, but no one's obliged to give answers till the police investigation is complete. That's what they'll say. But uh, I'm sure millions of people in India and outside will, all, will be wanting those answers. Are there more players involved? I'm sure there are. That's what the police investigations in indicate. Um, 
what next? I don't think people will trust an inquiry held by the BCCI. It has to be a third party. It has to be independent of government as well, I, I feel, because a lot of politicians are involved uh, in the running of the board as well. So th mm -hmm. there's a conflict of interest issue there as well. But what about the credibility? We know that Indian cricket, and there's a whole controversy recently on so, Mr. Srinivasan's so, so cloud. Point. Yes, go ahead, Mr. Shailendra Singh. Go ahead. Yeah, my, my, my point is that, you know, just like Rof, because uh, I think Asad Rof is under investigation mm -hmm. and he's been now let out uh, from umpiring in the Champions League. Similarly, does ICC have the authority to actually let BCCI stay out of the game for some time? Maybe put an interim ban on BCCI with so much of match fixing and controversy. Has ICC got the power? Is it possible? No, but because this is the irony. In fact, no, the I was just going to bring up, in fact, Keith, the, the BCCI actually, because it's the so cash fish, it's the biggest, it's the richest uh, cricket body in the world. The BCCI actually has its clout on the ICC. There's a recent controversy over Mr. Srinivasan actually making sure that his representative got uh, nominated to the ICC to represent players' interests. Ironically, again, he worked for the, uh, Mr. Srinivasan's uh, company, Kirti Azad. In that sense, it's the BCCI which is calling the shots in world cricket. Can anyone, can the ICC afford to take on the BCCI in that sense? Well, uh, I don't think so with the kind of money power that uh, BCCI has. But I'll get back to the main point that we're talking about. That is, as I said, the South African case for four years, there has been an investigating investigation going on formed uh, under the chairmanship of the discipline committee of the board, which obviously Mr. Arun Jaitley is the president. And it hasn't see, seen the daylight yet. For four years, it's been just lying gathering dust. And that delay obviously uh, encourages those who are doing this kind of acts to carry on doing it because they get used to it. Then you have a disciplinary committee, which again is headed by Mr. Jaitley, and not a single action has been taken by the disciplinary committee. You know what has been happening in the IPL for so many years. You know about all the problems that went on This is one place with this all-party agreement because you have Rajesh Shukla of the Congress, you have Arun Jaitley of the BJP, you have various others, you have Anurag Thakur of the BJP, you have Jyotiraditya Sindhya of the Congress, Farooq Abdullah, so there is complete political unanimity here. Correct. It's not NDA fighting against the corruption of UPA. It's basically a case of the corruption of these two and they have a united front. And the united front is basically says, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. We are above the government and government cannot do anything. And that's why the enforcement directorate has, has gone nowhere, even after the standing committee had given its report. The reason why nobody is asking this question, because first of all, it is what has happened to the inquiry of South Africa. Somebody should say if they had an internal inquiry, they had caught hold of these five guys last year. Who, who were caught on a sting talking about spot fixing and also money under the table. Those five boys were banned for one year and what happened to the allegation of uh, under the table money that was being ex exactly. exchanging so, hands between the franchises so and the players. And what has happened to the legal committee? Have they have they formed, just, just a minute, yes. Sonia, have they formed any laws within the board to talk about it or have they suggested any laws to the government how they could come forward and help stem this rot that has taken place in the And in fact, the BCC has opposed an RTI that's opposing the sports bill as such. But let me just bring in Dr. Madan Oberoi on that, a PhD in cybercrime. Dr. Oberoi, when you talk about this investigation, we all know when the original match-fixing investigation, which came in Hansi Cronier case, actually exploded again, the Delhi police. We know what happened to that investigation. It went nowhere, which is why there is so much skepticism on how much can actually be achieved even if you are, these cricketers are found guilty, not according Let to what the court that. says, but the larger network, the point being made, is it underworld money, is it Dawood money, it's controlled from outside. So, like terror, how are you even going to crack down on this? Um, 
we have done our homework. We have studied what was done in CBI. We have studied what happened in the last case. And based on our experience, based on the le uh, legal op uh, opinions we have received, we are very confident that we have a very strong case and it's, it will be taken to the logical conclusion. Do you have got any indication? Is this underworld money? Now, uh, what has happened is that uh, we started this investigation on the basis of a chance information. We were looking into a case related to underworld. And during that investigation, we received this information which we developed and this case resulted. So somewhere there is some links. Well this is what we have to unravel during our investigation, how these are connected and what is the evidence against them. Do you find the, the theory being that these uh, cricketers, these young players were being threatened by the underworld or that the honey traps were being used for extortion? Can you confirm, is it true that uh, the models with Shisanth, was this part of an underworld or a bookie way to trap these players? I would not like to comment at this stage, ma'am. This is part of our investigation. And in midst of investigation, there are so many things which we have to confirm. Mm -hmm. And I would not like to give a premature conclusion. Yes, these things have come up during investigation. We are looking into it, but without uh, completing my investigation, I would not like to say yes or no at this stage. What about sharing of information? Kirti Azad made that point that this so-called turf fought in the Mumbai police and the Delhi police. So when the Mumbai police land up in Chennai to question the son-in-law of the BCCI chief, shouldn't there be some coordination? Shouldn't it be a joint team, for instance? This looks like ego politics. I don't, I don't think so, ma'am. The question is, we started with an investigation which involved fixing of players, uh, fixing of matches through players and bookies were involved in that. We have initially looked into the immediate evidence we had about three players, three matches and okay. some bookies. So we are tying up those ropes. In those, in, in, those, in those cases, in those matches, the persons you are naming, their names have not figured so far. Mm -hmm. There is nothing to suggest that. We are getting inputs about other matches, other, uh, other things also. We are looking into those also. We are developing that and if there is a need, we will definitely look into everything. Shalindra Singh, if uh, you could come in on, uh, on, this, on this larger point really of the image of cricket and cricketers. I know that you had launched, I think, uh, the, the boxing league with Vijinder Singh a few years ago or looking at that. Vijinder went through a hard time when there were allegations made against him of a different kind. In that sense, with what's currently happening, you still see packed crowds at IPL stadiums. But what is the larger hit cricket is taking and cricketers? For instance, would you be able to sell a cricketer as a youth icon today? I mean, you know, uh, I'll go to cricket a second, but I think the major issue is going to be sponsorships. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can you can see the sort of shiver in the spine of uh, a Pepsi. I mean, you know, you don't want to be. Uh, the, the reason sponsors bring in big monies into athletes or the game is because they believe that the game sport is credible, clean, and is going to entertain fans, you know, uh, in, in its complete uh, purity. Now, these controversies are not going to just help. It's going to hurt the nation, first of all. We look like fools globally right now on, on global television. Secondly... The sport and sponsorship, which was all about the money. I mean, if, you know, if money just disappears from the sport, everybody's going to hurt. And, and also, I, so let me explain to you one thing. About five years ago, cricket was played by just a few people. Mm -hmm. Courtesy of the IPL format, the sport now has become a livelihood for the middle class and the lower middle class. More and more athletes are engaged. This is going to hurt the, the souls of many pure athletes and families who thought that their sons could become the future cricketers. This is not a joke and this can't be possibly taken lightly anymore. 
and mm -hmm. and if somebody at the top is not held accountable, this is just going to continue as a virus, as Kirti said. South African investigation, nothing happened. I mean, you know, if they get away with this one, this is going to carry on for the rest of our lives. Dilip Premchandran, come in at that point because there are so many views in IPL. Uh, the purists said that this has destroyed the sport, and others like Shalinder shared the view that look, it's democratized the sport. You got so many more young kids who could never get to a team of eleven who've got a chance to play. In that sense. What has it done to cricket? And that point I made, BCCI controls world cricket. Will it be, remain all-powerful or will it now also have to face some tough questions from other member countries? See, as long as the BCCI accounts for more than 70% of the income that is generated in the cricket world, it will retain that power at the ICC and, and no major decisions can be taken by the ICC without BCCI approving of it. Uh, your first question about the IPL itself, I think it's done uh, both good and bad things to Indian cricket. If, if you want the good things, just look at yesterday's match. Vikramjit Malik uh, has played first-class cricket for 10 years without hardly anyone hearing about him. Okay. Yesterday, he comes onto the big stage, millions watching, he takes two wickets and suddenly people are talking about him. And for players like that who may never get to play for India, it's a huge, huge deal to have that kind of platform and to show off their skills there. On the flip side, uh, well, you're seeing the flip side right now. I mean, uh, there's not been enough control over player agents. There's not been enough investigation into the background of team owners. Uh, if you look at the English Premier League, for example, there's something called uh, uh, any anyone aspiring to buy a club has to uh, pass something like a fitness test to see if you're worthy of owning a Premiership club. I don't think anything like that was put into yeah, place sure. for the IPL in 2008. And, and you're paying the price for things like that. No, of and ironically, as I said, when the son-in-law of the BCCI chief is being questioned, though I have to clarify, so far no evidence found. He just has to be questioned. But Kirti Azad, if you could come in on one point. Uh, we have the, uh, the young uh, joint CP here sounding very sure and saying that he's learned from the lessons, that the Delhi police have learned from the lessons of the past uh, match-fixing case. You're saying pressure, pressure, pressure. Do you think in that sense that actually the police have done a good job on getting where we are? Because... What we're not looking at also is the nationwide crackdown on bookies. That's a really crucial part. Earlier it was just on cricketers. Now the nationwide crackdown on bookies which is currently happening as I speak. Well, yes, I think uh, they must have uh, felt really happy with after all that had happened after the rape cases that were taking place in Delhi. But then there were, the case of 99 is absolutely different than what it is in 2013. 99, the investigations were not completed. Uh, no FIRs were uh, filed, but yet cricketers were banned for life. Mm -hmm. And you find, uh, and at that time, the police and the agencies couldn't do anything. But this time, the board is suspended the players, not banned them. But the police has gone ahead, and uh, they are ready to file, uh, file an FIR and charge sheet them. But then I, I must remind you that I had given you an example of these five cricketers, mm -hmm. and I would also like to give you an example of uh, uh, the guy who was spot fixing caught again on a sting in London, uh -huh. where no association got involved. It was the police that swooped onto them, filed an FIR, charge sheets for filed, and then uh, conclusion uh, uh, got the to the conclusion court, yes. through the judiciary. Uh -huh. And those boys were, were banned. So exactly that is what the police must do, work swiftly, act swiftly, so that people are not able to uh, erase the evidences around them, all the things that, that you can really use. I don't know how useful that uh, uh, computer or that mobile phone would have been to the Delhi police, but I still suggest let these police commissioners and various police agencies of the various states work independently with an SIT from NIA to really find out the root 
where the money is coming from and I think that would be a suggestion which should be welcomed by the government because this is time we are we are suffering from a lot of internal disturbance from external uh, interference coming in from across the borders and other things so this money the trail must be known and having said that I'll get back to the BCCI I'll get back to the BCCI mm -hmm. and I'll simply say is that they should take strong steps the politicians should not come in and involve themselves unnecessarily into the entire affair. They should give whatever the police needs, help them through the investigation. And Mr. Savani, although is retired, I have full regard for him. Yes. I'm sure he cannot file an FIR and the BCCI because BCCI doesn't have a police post. It cannot file charge sheet because it doesn't have a police thana and it doesn't have the judiciary so the, judges to really uh, that, ban these so you're saying like that. This must be a criminal investigation. Dr. Obro, just to ask. Will you face, I had Dane just now, the politicians who actually run Indian cricket also in a sense. Mr. Srinivasan is a corporate, but the politicians run Indian, Indian cricket. cricket Will you BCCI face political... Go the Indian Olympic Association way. Will you face political pressure? Are you only going to go this far and no further? First of all, I'd like to comment on one point, that it was Delhi Police on its own which registered this FIR. There was no complaint. We developed our own no, no, information. Uh -huh. We developed our own information. We went ahead, filed an FIR. We arrested concerned people, and we are very hope, uh, very the confident of filing the charge. Uh -huh. So we didn't need any uh, any push to do that. Uh -huh. Second point is that there is absolutely no political pressure on us, and there no nobody can dictate anything to us as far as investigation is concerned. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, we'll go, uh, we'll wait and see. It's worrying that you say that more players may be involved, but no evidence yet of more players being involved? I'm not saying more players may be involved. What I'm saying is that there are inputs which we are receiving from uh -huh. different sources, and these inputs have to be verified and then taken to the logical conclusion. It would be premature on our part to uh, uh, make any wild allegations at this stage before because you know they are they have been icons there are so many respectable players we can't be very loose in our remarks and we have to do our homework before we come out are you a fan of indian cricket were you no, disappointed no. when it came out how close how bookies and the underworld were so involved in a sense with cricketers were you disappointed yeah personally yes well i think you represent uh, the voice of so many other fans today we completed a time. Thank you so much for coming in and speaking about the investigation as much as you thank could. You, uh, thank you, Kirti Azad, and thanks so much, uh, Dilip Premchandran and uh, Sharendra so Singh, much. for joining me this evening. Thank you.